Welcome back to another episode of Present Company, On the Road, the segment where I take you on the road to some of the biggest film events in the country. Today, I'm at the 48th annual Telluride Film Festival, located at 9,000 feet in the mountains of Colorado. I'm about to sit down with Cody Smith-McPhee, who stars in Jane Campion's much-anticipated film, The Power of the Dog. This is so good. I'm here with Cody Smith-McPhee, which I just told him, confessed that I've been wanting to meet him since The Road. And I forgot that that film was in Telluride. It was. I think back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, quite a while ago. I don't really remember too much, but I do just remember this um, comfortable, intimate Beautiful feeling. And for me, with Power of the Dog, this is my uh, kind of intro into the press tour. So it's a perfect way to start it, you know, very comfortable and, and easy. I mean, obviously, I'm looking at you right now. You're still so young, 25-ish, somewhere yep. around there, right? So right on. I'm thinking the road is 2009. I yeah. mean, were you always an actor? That's, I guess, when it really took off beyond what we had expected. And by we, I mean, you know. My family, but mainly my father and I, um, and my sister. She's an actress. My dad's an actress, uh, actor, <laughs> and he he got me into it just as a hobby, um, just as a creative pastime, really, to do something kind of against the grain. He's always been kind of spontaneous like that, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it started to escalate quickly from like college short films into eventually auditioning for Australian feature films and one of the first ones I auditioned for, Romulus My Father, I um I got and that kind of just sent me over to, to the States, eventually getting the road and let me in and then the rest is history. But yeah, I mean I don't have the traditional intro into the industry. Just something I I'm really grateful for. I think it it changed the way that I see things and, and I think my humble beginning lets me always remember to stay humble and always have humility. And my eyes are always set on, I think, a very, I don't know, uh, just grounded prize, uh, I guess, just to be comfortable and to always do what I love and uh, to always be picky with the jobs and to always be leaving something with the audience that's worth it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that comes from growing up with an actor as a parent or growing up in Australia where the market is so different, (laughs) you know, Los Angeles or America, you know, the film market and television theater is enormous, right? Yes, yeah. So what do you what do you attribute? First, I would say I owe a lot to my parents. That's my foundation of my outlook on the world, whether that is spiritually or, or whatever you like, religiously or anything from to its deepest form. They are who gave me the the kind of acceptance to to have no boundaries in terms of seeking what is what means truth to me. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think, comes my creative freedom and finding true enjoyment in, in what I do in that sense. Yeah, definitely being in Australia, too, because recently coming back to L.A. Uh, since COVID, I've been based in Australia, just hanging out with my mom, my little brother. But coming back to L.A. after, you know, I was based here, based in L.A. for like 11 years, it was a bit of like a culture shock coming back I was like wow mm-hmm. it really is a fast-paced lifestyle and everywhere you go you hear everyone talking about projects and stuff like that and 
you know, you can see it in one of two ways, but, you know, sometimes that can be a bit overloading and it can be a little bit negative, which is why when I was based there, I like to be, you know, by the water and stuff like that, which was reminiscent of home. But other times it's inspiring, you know, you like to be around your group and your people that influence you to to keep growing and doing stuff, you know. Yeah, it's very tribal that way, you know, you feel like if you look at it from that perspective everyone's like what what are you doing what are you working on I'm you know it can feel super alienating and competitive and like they're doing that and I'm doing nothing but at the same time it can be inspiring and community it's a community and this time around I've been doing my best to in in every sense see everything positively but mainly coming to LA and kind of jumping back into the chaos of it all I think after being here for a little while, after there, being there for a little while, it, it did become a bit too much and you become a bit like standoffish against hearing all that all the time. But mm-hmm. no, now, I don't know. I just, I just take it as inspiration. And um, yeah, like you said, being with your tribe, perfectly yep. said. All right. You are up here with The Power of the Dog, which is the first film from Jane Campion in a while, mm. uh, who's brilliant in her own right. And your character, Peter, is, first of all, congratulations on a great performance. Thank you I so was much. so struck by what you brought to that role. Thank you. And it could have, it could have gone a lot of directions, and you, I feel like you just hit the tone perfectly. Thank you. So I'd love for you to talk about just like meeting Jane in this script. Like you said earlier, you're picky. You, you can be picky about what comes to you and what speaks to you. So what about Peter Gordon, this character and working with Jane? What what was it about him that made you feel you had to play him? I think it was first while I was reading the script and I think while very much so like what the audience will perceive as well. For majority of you know seeing him on the screen, you somewhat est- underestimate him, which I think was something that kind of hooked me to him. It was it was being shocked by him, uh, which I really loved that he had somewhat of underlying power and wisdom and awareness to him that I really liked, and I feel like I relate to that because I can be a bit weird and strange sometimes, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot going on on the inside. But I think I really fell in love with the the idea of being a part of it when I had met Jane specifically. Because ironically, I had showed up to a beautiful little kind of nice house like this. It wasn't in like a auditioning cattle call room, you know, where you're like nervous in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hear them in there and you have a time limit. It was very like, it was the most ideal setting in that sense. And I walked inside and I was supposed to have had lines prepared, a script, a little scene prepared. And I didn't know that for some reason. There was some miscommunication. But for Jane, that was completely fine and and she forgave me like right on the spot and um just rolled with it she was like that's totally okay you know you've read the script okay so you have an understanding for the character so let's just talk as peter right now you know let's get peter in the room and so my stance immediately had changed and i just embodied him how i saw him in my head which i hadn't done yet um so that was kind of cool to see him just immediately come alive and I just kind of saw her, not to, I don't know, pat myself on the back or get big head or anything, but I saw her falling in love with what seeing Peter come to life, uh, as, as was I. Um, and then we just did a couple cold reads of some scenes and stuff, and it was a lot of fun and it felt very natural. And, uh, yeah, so that was the, 
that was the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you talk about this dance because the character is such a, it's so different from how you carry yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> yep. Just seeing you walk in here, it's like, oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, it's totally different. And so much of that character is informed by the body language. Yes. And especially the body language in that environment in particular. Yes. I thought was so, was so striking. Yeah. Like I said, like a lot of that came to life in that audition scene with Jane, but at the same time, I owe so much to her because she really challenged me in a way that I have never been challenged before by a director. And that was with a lot of these these techniques, which, you know, my father, he knew of them all and he always taught me little bits and pieces of um, all of these different techniques like Alexander technique and stuff like that. But it was taken to the extent where, you know, I'd, I'd write it on a page, like what animal I thought my character related to or what archetype he represented. But Jane took me to the point where, you know, I was working with someone that had me on my hands and knees hunting like, you know, a wolf would or a fox rather is the animal I chose for Peter. And that kind of negative judgment of the L.A. kind of stuff was coming in, being like, oh, I don't, I don't think I need to do that kind of stuff. You know, I got my own rinse and repeat process. But in that same breath, in that same thought, I I let it go and I just went with the flow of it. And I thought, you know, there's nothing to lose. I'd, I'd love this experience with Jane and um, I got so much out of it. I worked with a body specialist who, who really dialed in all of those little things that and ticks that Peter does. And obviously an accent coach who helped me with like the lisp and stuff like that. And all of these little pieces came together, which just did so much more to my performance than I would have would have done myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I owe that to her for sure mm-hmm. and you get to work with Kirsten Dunst who's one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch no slouch mm-hmm. there yes uh Jesse Plemons I mean this cast is is great uh talk to me about how that was for you being the you know the younger person on this you know in this environment and mm-hmm. with these actors you know how did you and Kirsten work together versus how you and Benedict worked together Yep. Talking about working with such amazing people and people that I've looked up to most of my life, it's it's always amazing when, you know, you have that idea and expectation. You know, you think of them as how you've seen them talking like this in press and, and things like that and in the movies you love. But it's it's so much better when you meet them and you see that they're just so down to earth. They were all like that. Jesse, Kirsten, Benedict. Uh, we always had a lovely time. I hung out with uh, Kirsten and Jesse quite a bit. They're so down to earth. They were really like my extended, you know, mother and father mm-hmm. <laughs> on that job. Yeah, just so welcoming. And I can't wait to see them again. You had some amazing scenes with, with Kirsten, who plays your mother. Um, just some beautiful moments of like the strength and the vulnerability, but the exchange between the two of you switching, you know, one one strong at one minute, the next one, the other one's vulnerable. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of those scenes in the haberdashery when you're buying clothes, when you're in the bed, the bunny and mm-hmm. all of that stuff is just magic. That pulls some heartstrings for me, the way that you pointed it out there. Because, of course, I'm doing it. I'm aware of of those power changes and swaps and stuff like that. But for you to say it out loud is really... I like relate to that because my mom is a single mother and um, I have a little brother and he can be, you know, quite the handful sometimes just going through his years into adulthood. And, you know, especially through COVID and stuff, she's like my rock and like there is those times when when I'm crying on her shoulder and then other times where she's calling me to come over and, and cry on mine, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a really 
yeah, that's a really special thing that that could be um, captured and, and put into this film, mm-hmm. immortalized. Mm-hmm. And the flowers. Yeah. So did you learn how to make those flowers? And can any regular human make them? Will there be a TikTok video on how to make oh, those once I'm everyone sure sees this film? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. No, there, there is um, a little technique to it. I, I learned it like briefly and I just kind of, after learning the exact way that, that the prop people were doing it, I went home and I ended up kind of doing it myself, kind of improvising, making different kinds of roses and stuff like that. I'm sure my delicate hands help with the, um, with the task. But uh, yeah, that was a really special part to Peter. I think it was very metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. definitely hard though. Like I realized I didn't really have the patience of Peter, of uh, aspiring surgeon. He uh, has a lot of patience, so that's something I had to kind of work through, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. How was it working with Benedict? Amazing. I mean, off screen, when he wasn't in character, because Jane really wanted him to remain in character. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're talking about that, but yeah, it was something that's important to be said, you know, to keep someone that has such a kind heart so cold and in the world of Phil, I think it makes sense to to kind of keep him there. But when he's not that, he's just the sweetest guy ever I have always an amazing laugh with him and just really inspiring seeing his process and seeing his dedication and then seeing how it comes out on screen just Mm -hmm. he does wonders so yeah I feel like I'm not necessarily sure what you don't ever know what you necessarily take from actors but I I definitely you know took on something there Mm -hmm. yeah well your scenes are such a tango sometimes you know you don't they're so intimate in the sense of like something's happening here, mm-hmm. but mm. obviously it's not physical. It's more of this exchange. It's like a mental thing that's happening. It's, yeah. it's something you can't see. You can only feel it. I know. It's a kind of claustrophobic yes. um, feeling that, that when I was watching, I was like, Oh, what's happening here? You, which I loved. You don't know whether to feel scared or is there like a romance kind of completely like uh, yeah completely so you're just on the edge watching it did you as an like did you see the character or the person that you're playing peter and obviously benedict phil did you feel those that relationship shift throughout the filming of this movie Mm, absolutely um i mean you kind of saw it coming of course in the in the rehearsal, like the, the rehearsals that we were doing, it was kind of like a boot camp with, with Jane. We would work with her independently and then together with, you know, who, whoever you were with in the script, um, Kirsten and, and uh, Benedict. So you kind of saw the, the arc coming. Um, but yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely as, as it went from him kind of tormenting me to rather kind of taking me under his wing in a sense. Um, yeah, you could feel something growing, but actually like it was the same kind of thing that you expressed, which is fascinating to me. Like I thought it would be more on the, on the head, knowing exactly what that sensation was as an actor. But still for me, like in those moments, you don't know whether to, you know, run away or to stay there if it's warm or if it's cold or scary or nice. But I think that's what it's all about. There's a huge cloud of mystery that kind of follows you through this film Mm -hmm. it's a slow burn but somehow at the same time jane has achieved impending doom and and to have you on the edge of your seat it's incredible i think about it is a slow burn but yet i have all these images just 
in my head immediately. The cigarette scene is exactly what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. And other scenes, it just stays in your psyche for a very long time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. afterwards. And I know I'm so curious to hear about the conversations that people are going to have after they actually see the movie. I think there's going to be a lot of great dialogue around it. Um, about where, what side people are on, you know, not what side, but like what people's own interpretations I think you're right of in it. saying what side. Yeah, an interpretation. Like they're both right. But I've definitely seen sides already popping up within some of the reviews and um, responses to it. So it's really interesting. Like for me, as the actor, I kind of had to just accept all of the sides and all of the interpretations that it could have been because there are so many layers to it. And of course, mm-hmm with the added nature of the book that goes into so many other rabbit holes that the film doesn't. Yeah. There's so many, so many layers that you can go through with this. I mean, to to things as subtle as like, just like a a metaphorical little subtle thing that we all noted while shooting when he's working with the um, rope, Phil is working with four strands of rope that he is tightly and kind of centrally intertwining together roughly controlling them all to become one and um yeah it holds the rope itself holds many metaphors mm-hmm. that's um, interesting i didn't amazing. think of that yeah just when you're describing that i'm like oh yeah that's right it's fascinating i didn't I, discover that one i think that was jane that was benedict but mm-hmm. there's so many of these little kind of easter eggs hidden within this um Mm-hmm. Yeah, in so many ways you could go with it. Um, that's how what was, fascinates me. How was the horse riding and the? How was all the physical parts of that? Are, were, had you ridden a horse before? Or you done yeah, all that? I had ridden. I had ridden a horse before. I think I did like Romeo and Juliet once, and um, another Western movie actually shot in New Zealand uh, called Slow West. So I've done quite a bit of riding before, but it's not really something. It's not. I feel like it's not like riding a bike. You know, you have to learn from scratch again. At least for me personally, mm-hmm. jumping back on it. Actually, I would say, you know, you can always have techniques and stuff in your head, um, but every horse has a personality. It's not a bike. It's not a yeah. <laughs> object. So and they read you too. They, oh yeah. Like, every horse is different too. Yeah, it's I must have same. kind of been on edge when I was learning to ride because my horse just didn't <laughs> want to listen to anything I had to say <laughs> or do or ask. Yeah, he was he was pretty stubborn, but uh, we eventually got there with the help of some stunt guys as well. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like every artist learns something with every passing day and certainly with every project. What do you think you've, that you've learned during this, this project? And I know you were, they shot New Zealand and everyone, you know, the whole world is dealing with COVID and you didn't escape that either. You guys had to deal with that. That had to be part of your protocol, right? Your every day. But for you as an actor, what, what do you think you learned that you will take with you? Personally, from like the get-go, when I had read the script, I wasn't really in the best place mentally. And what I took from meeting Jane and then kind of getting swooped away to New Zealand, which was a very angelic, beautiful kind of healing place for me that I was I was yearning to go back to. And it just happened that it was at that time in my life and I was needing a job overall and something that I was passionate about, not something that I was just tolerating and accepting all of that came to my doorstep and so I think the message for me was to just surrender and to always be open and welcome to to blessings that that you're asking for and and that goes the same for when COVID struck really hard and 
the world was in turmoil and uh, also, you know, the film itself got stopped for, for about a month when we had two weeks left and I could see Jane just kind of beside herself thinking it wasn't going to get finished. She was almost kind of certain, I feel like. And we all just, you know, built her up with faith that this was, this was going to get done, we're going to return, we just need to kind of do the right thing, you know. It's so hard to see that. And then, you know, same goes for, in a smaller scale, surrendering to not becoming comfortable with your rinse and repeat process as an actor. I'm sure it's worked for me and it's got me this far, but uh, I will always be a student of the universe and whoever my director is and whoever I'm working with. So I'm always willing to be challenged and I'm always willing to learn and grow. So that's what this taught me. And I think all of that together, what I'm seeing in the response and what I'm feeling um, that's backed up behind this film. And yeah, I'm I'm thinking that's all paying off finally. (laughs) Mm-hmm. that's all paying off like my whole journey alone is paying off mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting right it's quarter of a century is 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 kind of boiled into this experience in definitely a way. definitely yeah. i have a subject for this season's podcasts and it's fear so i've been asking everybody about fear obviously it's so acute in in our daily life whether it's weather covid Everything permeates. You can't turn on the news without something causing anxiety and fear. And also it's very much an everyday existence for an actor. (laughs) Definitely right. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm asking you this question. So Cody, how is your relationship with fear these days? I'm always working to kind of relinquish it in a sense. And if I can't relinquish it, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept this sensation of, being afraid and and let it pass because, you know, no emotion can stick around forever unless you suppress it and you put it in a little box aside and say, I'm going to deal with it later. Only then does it sit with you. So I'm trying to face face my fears. Interesting conversations around it too from everybody because everyone has a different, no one, no one escapes it. No one is immune to it. So what are the kind of things you want to do next or what are you interested in? A green screen movie, (laughs) a theater, action film, romantic comedy? Experience the the blue screen, big kind of action stuff with with Mm X-Men. And I did really enjoy it. It's always kind of a dreamy, pinch me moment when you're, especially when you're in like four hours of makeup and you have a tail on and you have teeth in and red eyes and stuff like that. It, it eliminates completely the boundaries of acting as a human. You get to do whatever you want and however you want, which is really fun and really cool. So, Hey, if they have another one for me, I would enjoy doing another X-Men for sure. And it's, as you, you know, you know, it's so right on the other scale of a little independent film that is a passion project, of course, but there's still a lot of joy in something like that but honestly I never really try and like manifest the next thing Mm -hmm. I'm actually more surprised with what comes up you know like power of the dog I would never have expected something like that or even had the you know facility in my head to ask for it Uh, I love being shocked I think that's what a director looks for when he's looking for an actor when he's auditioning an actor he doesn't know what he wants he knows the essence of the character in his script but he wants to be shocked so I'm the same as an actor with when it comes to stories. And I read each script as it was a book. And if it keeps me hooked as a book does, then that's the one. Because I know the audience will collectively feel that. But uh, after I did Power of the Dog, I was lucky enough to work on um, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic, mm. which was shot in Queensland. So it was cool to go from 
New Zealand to Queensland, kind of be able to stay in my, my hometown area. But that was, yeah, that was amazing. A lot of green screen, blue screen stuff on that. Who do you play in that? I play a character by the name of Jimmy Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, who was the son of a country legend. Um, but he was really right in the middle of, you know, becoming a country legend him- himself, but also observing the impact that Elvis was having on teens and that, that chaos and that craze over him. So he was greatly influenced by Elvis and um, kind of went along with the ride for rock and roll, but actually ended up repenting his rock and roll journey and becoming a, um, uh, what do you call it, um, basically related to the church. He Evangelical? Was, yeah, or, yeah, something yeah, like that. For sure, yeah. wow. But he had an amazing journey and uh, it gave me the ability to play guitar and sing in front of a small arena, which is something I've never done before. I always played guitar, you know, by myself. Never thought it was something that could be professionally captured. But um, again, learning from, you know, Power of the Dog and anything before that that taught me to to be brave and have fun with something that's challenging, I did it and I'm very proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. Pretty cool to go from Jane Campion to Baz Luhrmann. Those are two of my favorites. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh I know. my god, the piano and Moulin Rouge. I'm like, wait, I what? was just blown yeah. away with. Oh, it's just amazing that the different, the different essence and approach and talent of of these directors. It, it just teaches you so much as a person and as and as an actor and as possibly an aspiring director. You know, one day. I'm taking these little pieces and um, I'm just so grateful to be in the presence of these people. They're, they're legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have such a bright future as an artist. I feel like privileged that I get to watch. Thank you. Watch you for the next, hopefully as long as possible um, on, on screen because you, you really so do have something that just transcends we just want to know what you're thinking even if you're just thinking i'm hungry on screen it doesn't (laughs) matter we're we're projecting what's going on in his head right now i think Uh, my girlfriend thinks the same thing (laughs) fair 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 um but uh yeah no it's great and you're tremendous in this so congratulations on it and and what a great cast and just the and i love that you're a reader do you read a lot in in your downtime or you a big bookworm a tough thing with me, like especially sometimes coming to festivals, I don't vocalize like this a lot, but I am trying to find a way to express it, is that, you know, you have a lot of these head honcho people that I'm I'm respecting and, and looking up to and, you know, mingling with and stuff. And often though as an actor, you get the question of like, have you seen this film? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Do you know this person? And, you know, I do absolutely have a passion for my industry and the people that I work with and a great respect for it. But at the same time, I'm like a very creative person in the sense that I, I spread myself, you know, thin over all forms of creation. Like as you saw, you know, guitar was just like a little hobby that I taught myself, and it ended up, you know, being implemented into a Baz Luhrmann movie. I, you know, I love making music. I love producing instrumentals. I love painting. I love huge fan of, of surrealism, Salvador Dali, and so many things that feed into my passion and my momentum as an actor. But they're not always within the the industry. They're not always movies and they're not always other actors. I'm a huge reader and, and like, I have a huge passion for ancient philosophies. You know, as I said, how my parents brought me up with no kind of boundaries in terms of what I seek when it comes to my curiosity and what, what I consider as truth. I researched every form of religion when I actually ironically left school 
and I was being tutored. I had all this time by myself and uh, I found a new passion for things that were taught to me in school but that I felt they weren't taught in necessarily the right way. Mm-hmm. So philosophy, I, when I figured out what that actually meant uh, and it was literally the, the label to my curiosity for the universe, for man's place, woman's place within it um, and for the function of all things and the reason behind existence, I, I ran down that rabbit hole for many years and I, I always still am, just not so kind of eagerly because mm-hmm. I realize at the end of the day it always brings you back to the now and to whoever is brought in your life, they're, they're the guru, they're a lesson in front of you. But yeah, I absolutely was infatuated with, you know, geometry and science and, you know, studying like psychedelics and the 70s and mm-hmm. politics and just, yeah, information, data. And also I think traveling around the world with different movies from such a young age and kind of being plucked out of school and the kind of boring way that we can be taught such beautiful things sometimes was very important for me because um, I was just educated by worldly things and you know meeting other people and being forced into other culture and uh, and finding beauty in all of it I don't have boundaries I, I respect it all I see us all as in the same space it's as simple as that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah my my son who's 15 discovered philosophy last year in COVID when we're all at there home there you know, Zoom school as it yeah. is, you know, living the same existence as everyone pretty much all over the world. And he is in that rabbit hole right now. So it's interesting to hear you talk about yeah, that's it. It's fantastic. I hope he listens to Alan Watts and Ram Das and all of the greats of the 70s. And there's a beautiful book, since it's going to be recorded right now, called Be Here Now Okay. by Ram Das. Okay. And he is one that has kind of the same perspective as me. He kind of incorporates all forms of symbolism and um sacred text mm-hmm. into expressing love and and unity and uh, he was this huge mover and shaker in the 70s and just a really beautiful lovable character but the book itself is very special i've had many copies of it and given it away to many different random people like wesley snipes and <laughs> characters along the way that I think would respect it and enjoy it. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think you'll like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question for you, and I think you, you're primed to answer it, is what kind of advice or encouragement would you give your generation of, of artists trying to find their way in this particularly dark time that we're in, like about in the arts, like wanting to be an actor, a writer, director, musician, all of it. What would you say to them? What's your encouragement? Try and level out every negative thought that you have with a positive one and vice versa, and you'll always find yourself in the middle, which is a really important place to be. It's it's in control. Yeah, it's a powerful place. Uh, but I would say just, you know, like we spoke about, surrender is a really, really big thing, and um, faith. And I think what you covered, which is a really important subject, is fear, is not to be afraid of fear itself. Don't get too wound up in, in the imagination. Just be in the moment. You know, that's a hard one because I feel like I have so much in me that I want to express to our generation but I think it's quite simple at the end of the day I mean find find what you're passionate about follow it to its ends have hope have hope and especially in these times when we're getting like locked down and you feel like your freedoms are somewhat being taken away utilize those times to you know like your son is um, educate yourself and learn and grow and practice all of your little crafts that you are going to build up into success and empire one day but yeah, honestly, at the end of it all, just just enjoy the moment. 
Thanks so much for joining me. The Power of the Dog is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more conversations here at Present Company.